You are now tuned in to the Edge Work Podcast with David Panyota, Dennis Bernstein, and Zach Bodenstein. And welcome back to the Edgework Podcast alongside Dennis Bernstein and David Pinota. I'm Zach Bodenstein. So guys, we got a lot to touch on. Some new information coming down from the NHL regarding the salary cap. We'll touch on that. Andrei Svechnikov now done for the season. Could he be done for even longer? And we're also going to talk about some tanking. Of course, a lot of lottery implications last night. And then we're also going to touch on some futures. So where I want to start right now is this new information, Dave, that we are getting with the salary cap. Although it's not unexpected entirely, it's not going to go up by more than a million next year. So I'm wondering, Dave, how does that impact how teams are going to do business in the offseason? Who gets screwed by this the hardest as well? (laughs) Well, teams screw themselves over when it comes to this stuff. So I have no pity for them. Um, But yeah, you're right. As of now, it's going up a million bucks now. The NHL is open to having discussions with the NHLPA about potentially spreading out the money and seeing if the cap can go up a few more, maybe $3 million, $4 million altogether, if they can agree on, on, you know, whatever, spending an extra year trying to recover uh, to make up the money lost over those COVID years and, and keep things on even keel. They're almost there. Uh, it's just they need to have that discussion with the PA. As of now – it's not happening. They got to wait for Marty Walsh to get settled in and, and they can have those discussions after the season wraps. Uh, but as of now, yeah, a million bucks. So teams that are right up against it are going to struggle a little bit unless they get creative. Now, Yarmo Kekalainen, the GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets, who does have cap space and is the worst team in the league, uh, has said before that he's going to wait for the summer to see what teams are desperate and need to get rid of contracts and don't want to go the buyout route. So you're going to see the bottom feeder teams, teams that are looking to accelerate either a rebuild or a retool that have cap space, look to some of the teams that are right up against it and go, hey, we'll take your problem away from you if you want a six-round pick. We'll take that contract. We'll take that player because he's going to benefit us. And this way you, you lose out on the player, but you save the cap space because this way you may save out on, on keeping two guys, three guys around versus losing two or three guys. So there are going to be teams that are going to look to get creative in that regard, like Montreal did getting Sean Monaghan from Calgary, taking on a first-round pick. There are going to be similar situations there where that's going to play out, where you're going to take a contract and a, and a, and a draft pick, you're going to send back a low pick or futures or whatever it is, and you're going to benefit from it and save the other team the hassle of having to consider other moves. So another summer, I believe, of creativity, which I'm all for because you guys dig your own holes. DB, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, maybe the Flames could have used that first-round pick in the offseason <laughs> now, the way they're playing. I tell you guys, I was shocked, shocked. The Flames got 45 shots on goal and loss. But that's another <laughs> that's another segment. Wow. So, uh, never amazing. happened. It's never happened uh, before. <laughs> it's never happened. But I was shocked, I tell you, shocked. Uh, yeah, and the thing with the Yetsko is the way the deal was cut, it's black and white. You either get rid of all of it. Uh, so if you're like – 100,000 short, it only goes up a million. Maybe, like Dave says, that can be negotiated, massage a little bit. Um, yep. to find a, but look, I, I, I think the GMs, I don't think anybody screws that because they've been operating under this this cap number for what, three seasons now? Mm-hmm. So that's not, again, it's not a mystery that it's only going up a million, but it's not a mystery that you've been at 82 or 82 and a half or whatever. So I, I don't think it's going to screw anybody. I think that, again, the one positive out of this is that you're going to need to see the same creativity you saw the trade deadline which i haven't seen 
forever covering this league where there's, you know, one guy's traded for five picks and there's all kinds of retention being done, three-way deals. I think you're going to see more of that in the offseason, which for fans I think is a great thing. Yep. As long as the Vancouver Canucks aren't trading away any more first-round picks, I think, you know, creativity is good. But there's galaxy braining. There's a difference there, right? What? Phil Peronic. Yes. That happened while we were live on air, by the way, and we still yeah. are trying to wrap our heads around that one. I know Canucks fans don't like it because you traded away a first-round pick and all that stuff, and it's probably going to be like 16th, 15th, 16th overall uh, because of where the Islanders are going to sit. But I like Philip Ronick. Like, I think that's a they needed that kind of defenseman. And, again, Canucks fans, you're not retooling. You're not, so you're not rebuilding. You're retooling. You're like, there's no rebuild. This is an accelerated retool because that's what the owner wants. And tough crap. Like, just deal with it. I know it's. Is he going to send out a letter, Dave? Maybe he should send that. <laughs> no, I would advise against that for that fan base. They're nuts. But <laughs> what about an app to tell them that the trade or not trade? Should you do that? Maybe. Yeah, I still don't understand that. <laughs> that doesn't. That didn't work in the other place. I so. I still do not know. I don't. I don't get that. But look, that's what it is. I like that trade. I I, I still I like it for both sides. But Philip Ronick is that's the guy. He's a defenseman that the Canucks wanted. So. I got no well, issue. the guy from two seasons ago, yeah. This season, not so much. But the guy from two seasons, he has the potential to be really good. So that's that's what you need from this team. You need to find – you need to win some trades, right? And this is one you hope mm-hmm. to win. And, again, it's a, for a future. But I agree, 15, 16 – even though, yes, this draft is deep, I get all that, blah, blah, blah. You know me. Like, uh, you know, again, I'm a Rams fan. So when Les Snead said F them picks, traded, got a Super Bowl, I – like the futures, you don't know. It's a crapshoot. Like you're getting, yeah. you're buying taking two crapshoots, so you really don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree with Dave. I think it's not going to be a, a rebuild because you have some talent there, but it's going to be interesting to see how Alvin and Rutherford navigate the offseason. He is young, he is controllable, RFA, right? So uh, not a bad deal, just weird to see them move out of first round pick, uh, all things considered. Uh, let's talk about Chuck Fletcher, DB. You talked about yeah. the, you talked about the app and kind of everything going around uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers. And, of course, uh, their president of hockey operations and their GM is out. In comes Danny Briere, who I guess sounds pretty confident, DB, that he's going to be able to to take a hold of this thing and do a good job as GM of the Flyers. It's not an easy job, all things considered, given the state of that team right now. But uh, your thoughts on the Flyers going forward into this offseason? Yeah, it looks like it's trending towards Danny Briere, and Dave can certainly touch on this. And Anthony DeMarco did a great job covering this this whole change in Philadelphia over the last uh, few weeks. Yep. Look, Briere's put in the work, right? He, he's done the work. He's not like, uh, and not that Marty St. Louis hasn't done a great job, in, but he didn't parachute in into Philadelphia as a former player who's going get, to get the job. He, he's done the work in the minors in the AHL. And I, I don't know. Here's the thing. Like, I get it. They have structure now through Tortorella. And Tortorella's got three more years on his deal, right? But when you look at teams that are really successful at Winston-Stanley Cups, they have elite talent. And this team just doesn't have elite talent. Now, it was a good sign to see Couture back on the ice yesterday. And some people thought that his career might be over. Um, so that's a good sign. But there's just, Dave, there's just not a lot of talent on this team. And it looks like it, it might be, it might take a long time because the one thing that you're stuck in in the NHL is when you're mo- mediocre. And it's yeah. hard to get out of it. Like you're going to be really bad or really good. And, and when I look and, and see, and look, they've had some bad injuries issues with, with Ryan Ellis. I mentioned Couturier. Guys have been banged up all season. But I just don't see the requisite talent. I can't really identify a core here. And now they're talking about trading uh, uh, Carter Hart. I, yeah, I guess Connecty would be 
you know, Kevin Hayes, I don't think so. So they don't really have this young core that they can build off of to say, okay, we can get back to contention early. Like, I'll give you the example. Like, the Devils, people forget how great the season is. They had a 61-point season last season. Yeah. But they jumped 40 points, you know, potentially. Like, I, I don't see Philly making that same jump there because I just don't see the talent there right now. No, I, I agree with you. And, you know, if you are going through a three-, four-year rebuild, I understand the argument to move Carter Hart because by that time, I mean, it's tough, right? Like, it, I, I look at this like the Montreal Canadiens. When they had Carey Price go through those years where they were not good, um, they were that mediocre quasi-bubble playoff team, and it was a few years where it took him a while to really get going. He did okay. Numbers were decent. So they were really good, then they dropped, and they were back up. Like, I don't know if that's what's going to happen here with Carter Hart because he's going to be, what, 28 in three, four years. So it's not like he's going to be 34 and you're screwing him out of his mm -hmm. prime. You're kind of entering the prime, but because of the high ceiling on this guy, does it make more sense to move him early and then let one of your younger goalies or whoever you end up getting down the road take the reins once you're ready to compete. I mean, that's what they have to decide. And that's what Danny Breer has to decide. He's going to be given every opportunity to take on the full-time role as the GM in that market. Now, the president of Hockey Ops will come in. He'll likely have a say. But Danny's going to be given every shot to be that full-time GM. And he's got the experience. That's what people... Some people, I think, forget. Like, he started in the ECHL, went to the AHL, worked alongside in multiple facets of the game. Like, this guy, we had a good article with him, a Q&A with him at the start of the season, pinpointing exactly on the fourth period.com, uh, pinpointing exactly how he went through things, what he learned. He didn't, it wasn't just hockey ops, but the marketing side of things, the business aspect of it, the scouting uh, elements. He wanted to learn, and he wanted to become a well-rounded, groomed hockey mind. So in terms of the qualifications as an up-and-coming GM, he's got those qualifications. He was in the running for the Canadians yeah. gig. So, I, I, and the other thing, too, with respect to Torts, Danny's on his side. He was a big reason and a big backer to getting Torts in that organization. So if he stays, Torts stays. I think Torts needs to stay because you need a hard-ass like that when you're going through a rebuild like this so kids don't get ahead of themselves. And nowadays I know a little more sensitive, but tough crap. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Um, you, you know, whatever, thick skin and all that, kind of build on that. But it'll help you. It'll help develop you as a hockey player. And if you talk to NHL players, most of them that have been coached by John Tortorella, they love the guy. So the public image is totally different than the guy in the room. Brandon Dubinsky. <laughs> well, yeah. Other than, there are a few that just can't take his, can't take his stuff and whatever. But you can't, uh, you can't change the coach again. That doesn't make any no. sense. No, so they're going to go right. through a bunch of changes. Provorov is likely going to get moved at some point. Hayes will get traded at some point. Um, they're going to listen on Konechny and Sanheim and all these guys, but Dan said, like, they're not going to get rid of everybody. You have to have some freaking players on right. the team. Thank you. Well, another team that we were touching on off-air before is the Calgary Flames because, you know, you mentioned we've got two guys in that quote-unquote front office that are coming into the last years of their deal, the head coach, Daryl Sutter, and the GM, Brad Treliving. Big changes this offseason didn't quite go according to plan. Maybe they kind of click in year number two. But, Dave, will they even last that long? What's the latest there? Well, Treliving Treliving's in the final year of his deal now. Um, uh, Daryl Sutter has one more year left on his contract for next season. 
But Treliving is the guy that's back. Now, I know there's a bunch of talk going on, and we did talk off air about this. Um, there's all this talk that, well, if he goes, then sh- if he stays, should they change the coach and all that? And I can tell you, talking to some people in that organization, if Treliving, if the management staff stays, Daryl Sutter stays. Whatever. I don't know if that's necessarily the right move, but there have been too many co- – talking about too many coaching – like there have been too many coaching changes – this current regime believes that they're going to ride him out and then they'll figure it out from there. Uh, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, I don't know how that's going to work out. I mean, everybody's going, well, if they don't make the playoffs, you blame the coach. Yeah, but if the coach is going to stay, then who do you blame? So I, I think there's a lot that has to happen here um, in, in Calgary that needs to be determined once their season's over. See, they need to figure the, it out. Yeah. They need to. You can't jump the gun now. Um, you got to figure – okay – Let's figure out where we are in three, four weeks. If we're out of the playoffs, then we're going to look at making some wholesale changes. Here's the thing. And then look, I like to poke Daryl whenever I can. I don't think he's done a great job. He loses, what, 14 overtime games. You, get, you have this offense that has shots on goal every night, and they don't seem to score because they're not high danger chances. But here's the thing. It's also about, about the GM and – not the, like I'm not going to criticize the moves he makes. You had to make them, but when you look at the, their top line of like Lindholm to Foley and Dylan Dubé, that's really a second line. And, and I get it, like Uberdo hasn't worked, but but the, the talent again. You took a lot of talent, a lot of high level talent off this team. I, I keep saying it. Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, when they walked out that door, they walked out with 82 goals, and they never replaced them. They they didn't, and the trickle down effect. Manji Apani is not a 35-goal scorer. Elias Lindholm isn't a 42-goal scorer. Like, it, it does matter. Like, there's chemistry there. It's not – I keep saying this. It's not fantasy. You can't plug two guys in, plug two – and look, Kadri's been fine, but he hasn't made up the difference. And this team struggles offensively, and I don't know how you get out of it because I, I don't know. You're not Well, you're not treating Jonathan Uberdo. That's number one. The goalie's finally playing good. But he doesn't like make a save to win a game, so it's it's. I think they're stuck here. I I think that 112 point season they had last season, or whatever it was, like that was an illusion because it's an entirely different team this season, Zach. So to compare that team who didn't do well in the playoffs to this team, I don't think it's fair to this team because just the talent isn't there because you have two exceptional offensive players not on the team anymore, and you can't make up the slack of what they left behind. Bradshaw Living had his back up against the wall. All things considered, you know, he did what he had to do in the offseason, but uh, it just has not translated on the ice, of course. I agree. I, I have no problem with the moves they made. I like the fact that they brought in Huberto and Uyghur. But they've been, they've been miscoached. Yeah. It's that simple. I'm sorry. I know Daryl won the Jack Adams last year because people don't know how to properly vote for that damn award. And I know he won two Stanley Cups. One of them was because of him. The other one, not so much. But I'm sorry. He's not the right coach for this group. He isn't. When you're throwing the guy that's, that sets the record for most points by a left winger the season prior, and you reduce his minutes by two to three per game, and you throw him on the right side for a month, what are you doing? I, I, don't, I don't get it. I... I I'm not here to defend Daryl Sutter. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's some. All I'm trying to put as much biases as. as but but you have to say, Dave. But you He's have to it. say it's a less talented team this year. It, well, without question, yeah. right? It's a, it 
there is, well, it's a different type of team. Okay, yes, you don't have Johnny Gaudreau and you don't have Matthew Kachuk. But at the time, Kachuk Huberto, 100-point guy, 100-point guy, okay, makes sense. Mm. Similar age-ish. And you sign him to an eight-year extension. I know there's a few-year gap, but still. Then you sign him to an extension. Okay, that's a, that's a decent trade-off. And then it's basically Uyghur and Kadri for Goudreau. It doesn't, does it make you a better offensive team? No. But because I don't think anybody expected Nas to go back to 70, 80 points. But you bring in two guys that work better defensively and, and, and Nas who's more, who's more physical. So it's a different type of team. I don't, I, you're not trading apples for apples here. It was apples to oranges overall. They should have been a much better team this year. But even at the late stages of a game, things are – like I see people chirping, you know, Lucic and Lewis and all these guys. Why are they getting, you know, this many minutes and that? But it's not – that's not the point. Your top guys aren't performing because they're not being – they're not given the opportunity to exceed and excel. So, for me, it's on on coaching. So – I don't know what True Living does here. If he's going to keep him around, I, I don't agree with that decision, but that's me. I'll tell you what, their chances of making the playoffs certainly took a dip and they continue to take dips. So maybe some changes are necessary in Calgary. We'll certainly see. Um, of course, it will depend on how this season unfolds as well. We're down, coming down to the stretch. Of 15 games left for the Calgary Flames. Um, Andre Svechnikov, DB, now done for the season. He could be done for even longer, a torn ACL. It's not an easy injury to come back from. Carolina, now this hurts them in a couple ways because they've lost out on Andre Svechnikov's production and Max Pacioretty's production. That was a brilliant five-game stretch by Max, by the way. But uh, now they didn't buy at the deadline either. They got Yesipuli Arvi, but they didn't make that big splash up front. Do you think now this really hurts their chances going into the playoffs? Of course it would. But now you don't have that offensive production. Yeah, so there's, there's two arguments for food. And, yeah, I looked at the Carolina win the cup. I'll be transparent. I don't feel as good today as I did three days ago about them winning. Uh, they get offense from their defense, right? They have three guys. Now, granted, Gossesburg got his 11 goals in, in Arizona. But they have three guys on the D who have double-digit goals. The yeah. problem is they only have two guys over 20 goals in their forward wall, Ajo and Neskos. And when you have Kakanyemi as the second line center, I'm sorry, like it's 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 going to be very difficult for this team because what's going to happen is Zach, they're going to have to win every playoff game three two. I just don't see an explosion of scoring, and and now it was maybe a toss up between them and Carolina. If you if they played seven game series, the guy that's going to go six or seven. Now taking that guy out of the lineup, I just really really concerned about their offense in the postseason, and because I saw what happened against the Rangers. In Game 7, the Rangers players, their star players, play the best. And, and pound for pound, I love this. Look, they're a really good team. They smother teams defensively. Is Freddie going to be the answer in net? I don't even know. He's going to stay healthy. And, and when push comes to sub, do they have enough star players in the playoffs to score goals? They don't. So they're going to have to do it by committee. And I get nervous. Whenever I hear committee, we're going to get scoring by committee. Like, who's on this committee? Hmm. Like, these committees never work. What it means is that we're not good enough. And we don't have the star players that we need to in the playoffs, like a Braden Point, like a Kucherov, like a Nathan McKinnon. When you look at that lineup, it's not star-studded. It wasn't to begin with, but you're right. Like, no patches hurts. They don't make a trade at the deadline. Now Sveshnikov hurts, and that's why you make a trade at the deadline for insurance. 
They didn't buy insurance and they, they'll probably pay the price for it. But that being said, I keep going back to Boston. I was talking to my buddy Jimmy Fox here yesterday about that. Like, who's beating Boston four out of seven this year? Give me the team. I'm, I'm still trying to find that team. So, that, so, so yes, it hurts Carolina's chances. But even with Snestrikov, were they better than Boston? I don't think so. And that's I think that's where you circle back to with respect to Carolina or any other team in the East. The, the 76 Montreal Canadiens. Mm. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they beat Boston. Not right um, now, though. Those guys are old. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah now, uh, I don't even know. Yeah, there's a few guys aren't around, unfortunately. But, um, look, you're right. Like, losing Svechnikov, it's not just losing his offense. It's losing that big body. He's a big kid. Yeah. So you're losing that, that physicality that you're going to need in the playoffs. Now, he's not going out there knocking everybody's teeth out. But just to have that presence – it's it, you don't have that anymore, and like, and, and not only that, Dave. Who did they get to replace him at the deadline? Yes, he pulled Mr. Five right. goal. Yes, he pulled Yarvi. They've got guys in the team scoring. Like uh, like Taravon, it's a really good player in that system, but he's got what eleven goals. Like you need yeah. to score, so, score some in the playoffs. Ten goals. Like it, it's it's love Seth Jarvis. Like really like him. Great energy. He's going to be a really good player in this league. It's yep. just – it's not enough when you see the competition. Like right now, like pound for pound, the Devils are the better team because their offense is way better than Carolina. And so and that that's – so if I'm a Canes fan and I made the pick, I'm concerned about that pick right now because that's a big, big injury. Um, and everybody doesn't think so. I, I have to disagree. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a huge injury. And, and look, you can't predict that the guy is going to tear his freaking ACL. So, no. fine. But you thought – going in that Max Pacioretty was going to be your deadline ad because he came back, played five games, unfortunately got hurt. I love the guy. It just, it, it didn't work out. Bad you luck. didn't replace him. No. So I, I don't I, like, if you wanted to upgrade your offense, you didn't do it. You addressed the, the, the addition on the back end for your power play by bringing in Gossip Spare, which I think was a good move, but you didn't, you didn't add anything up front to replace what you thought you were getting in Pacioretty. Forget yeah. about Sveshnikov's injury. So you didn't add that. Yes, it, you added yeah. Jesse Puyarvi, who is a reclamation project right now, and he's got no points and a minus two and three games for them. So, and I know it takes a while to get the system, blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, he hasn't played that great anyway. So, Did no it take a while for him to get the system in Edmonton? Yeah, he's still never, trying to Never got it. the system in Edmonton, did no, he? No, he's still trying to figure that out. Like, this is – it's unfortunate. You can't, you can't predict that. You can't – but – you didn't do anything else to upgrade up front. You tried to get Timo Meyer. It didn't work out. You didn't shift. So whose fault is that? Look, I know that they didn't want to give up too much on the future's end. You can blame Tom Dundon all you want. It's Donnie Waddell's job to kind of convince him otherwise. And if the owner doesn't want to do it, then you don't do it. Is it the stats side? Is it Tulski? Is it a combination of everything? I like this team and I like the makeup of this team and I like what they've done, but they needed to take another step yeah. and they weren't able to do that. So I agree with you. I, depending on who this team plays, I, I think they're a first round likelihood of getting out of it. Maybe. It might be good. It might be, depending on the matchup, it might be good, a good team to bet against. Now watch what happens. Cock and Yemi and Pugliar are going to lead them right. in the Stanley Cup. They're going to yeah. be, yeah, be yeah, co Con Smythe winners. That's what's going yeah, on. I, I don't know about how much I put down on that one. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> but yeah, Carolina could be an upset. It look, they could be target for an upset in the first round because they might not even win the division at this point. Yeah. You know, although the Devils, you know, 
last night, uh, Tampa said, that we're not done yet. People think we're done, but we'll show you. We go. Although the, the thing with New Jersey, Zach, like, they play like crap at home. They're a great, they're a great road team. Like they might set records. They have a better road record, I think, than Boston does. But they can't win at home. So it just, it's sometimes it's hard to figure out these teams. They do. I, you know, and and if like Carolina's best case scenario is finishing first, they it, you want to get out of the first round, you finish first in that division. Otherwise, you're playing Jersey or the Rangers. Mm-hmm. I don't. I agree. I don't see. I don't see them winning against either of those two teams, especially now. With a depleted offense, maybe Florida's their best bet or Pittsburgh. Chris, uh, Tristan Jari hasn't been good. They have opportunities here. You're right, Dave. If they do finish first to take on a wild card team, maybe build some momentum that way. But that lack of star power and firepower up front is undeniable because DB, it was not addressed and it was a weak spot to begin with. I want to say one thing though. Like what, like if you had any belief in Pittsburgh, after watching that game last night, I'm I'm sorry. I, that they lost that month. They keep up. I just, I I don't, I don't get that team. Like he, he believes in his team. I, if I'm a team, I want to play Pittsburgh. You know, you say, y'all, I never want to pick my opponent. I want to play that team. That That's a team that has won one one round since they won the Cup in mm-hmm. 2017. And then they put up a game like that. And because, look, it was a trap game, right? Because they play the Rangers now twice more. And they were trying to catch the Rangers for third place. They go in there and, like, that's a game. And that's a game coming off Montreal lost 8-4 to four to Colorado. Like, last night – Pittsburgh should have went in, imposed their will, been up 4-0 in the first period, and just ended the game. And what did they do? They did just the opposite. So, again, I, I had my thoughts. Like, oh, maybe Pittsburgh is starting to come. They've got some games against the Rangers. They look past Montreal. They lost that game. They probably need those two points. And now now you got to win. Now it forces you to win those games against the Rangers who are trying to find their way with Kane and they're trying to figure out the, their offense. But because you lose that game last night in Pittsburgh, now you got to win these two. Because if you lose two games to the Rangers, now you're thinking about, oh, okay, here comes Florida. Now we've got to worry about a wild card spot, not shooting for third. So that was, if you're a Pittsburgh fan, you got to be really, really disappointed. Because that wasn't a trap game. That was a super trap game. Like, you you know, like, that should be a win. That's a schedule win. And you blew it. And the way you lost it, I, I'm just sorry. Like, all the things I thought about Pittsburgh, why they won the playoffs, you saw that last night in Pittsburgh. Well, is it too late for Pittsburgh to enter the lottery race? Because it seems like nobody wants that number one pick. We've seen a lot of spoilers. The Chicago Blackhawks just decided, Dave, to beat the Boston Bruins, which is something I don't think anybody ever saw coming ever. But uh, we also had a really good game between Columbus and San Jose yesterday. It's a really interesting race to the bottom. I know Montreal fans are a little frustrated about that comeback win, but you were looking at their schedule, and it doesn't look like this winning is going to continue. No. No. Um, I know everyone's going, what the hell, Montreal, why'd you beat Pittsburgh? Sometimes you want to play spoiler and just grind it out to the other team as a moral victory. Um, but yeah, the Habs schedule, especially this month, brutal. Like bad, like brutal. I'm going to be in New Jersey next, or sorry, in Montreal next week for their game against, I can't remember if it's Jersey or Tampa. Either way, it's not good. So mm-hmm. they're probably picking up an L next Tuesday when I'm there. Um, but this is, look, I'm looking at the standings right now. It's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for a lot of these teams to keep going. So if you can, if you're trying to get into the top five, top three, you got a bit of a race here right now with, you know, Philadelphia and I guess Arizona. But the Coyotes winning. Vancouver's won five in a row for some damn reason. Mm-hmm. Fans yeah. are losing their mind out there. 
So I don't, I don't really, I don't really understand it, but yeah, Bedard bowl yesterday was exciting. Two teams going at it. Columbus coming up with, with the W. I mean, I, I don't know. Like this is a really good draft. And I know there's excitement on both ends. You see how your teams are going to finish in the playoffs. You see which team is going to have the best odds for the draft. The lottery, by the way, on May 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern. So that will be exciting for everybody looking to get in on that and see what's going on. I think that's that's what, the, the beginning of the second round uh, mm-hmm. or, or somewhere in the middle of the second round of the playoffs by the looks of things. So you got a little bit of something to look for. It's really – it's the middle of the pack teams that are sitting here going, all right, just end it already. <laughs> like just the, the fans are just going, please, just don't give me – what's that What's that thing from Avengers? Don't give me hope. Don't do that. Don't give me hope. Yeah. Like that's, that's what some of these fans are looking at. Like, don't give me, don't pretend you're going to make the playoffs and then fall out. And we end up with the 15th, 16th overall pick when we could have been in the tens or, or like, well, I guess that is, but I mean like 10th, whatever. Um, that's just kind of, just kind of where some of these fan base are. So I feel sorry for the middle of the pack group um, that really they're going to kind of miss out on a higher pick. See, I, I favor the Eastern teams because the, the bad Eastern teams have to play the way better Eastern teams where in the That's West, true. right? Arizona and Chicago, they can find ways to win. They can play in Anaheim. They can play at, well, Anaheim's in it as well. But, but the, t- the top of the, the, the uh, of the conference isn't as strong. Yeah. So I think it favors them to win more games, which isn't a great thing. If you're, if you're rooting for your team to get a better shot, you're probably looking at the Columbuses and the, the Philadelphia's, of the world as opposed to the Arizona Chicago, because I think pound for pound there's more opportunities to win in the West for, for, for lesser teams than it is in the East. Yeah. Like who's, who's afraid of playing Winnipeg right now? If you're, if you're like Chicago, when you go into Winnipeg or vice versa, you're going, eh, all right, well, let's screw them over a little bit more. They seem to be doing it themselves so we can help out. Mm. Why not? Although, how good could Boston really be if Chicago took it? <laughs> right. Long night on Rush Street the night before. That, that's, yeah, maybe, that's what, yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's 70. Same thing with Dallas. Dallas was in Vancouver. Okay, I'm sure what happened the night right, before. Right, get off Granville. Uh, exactly. Get out of the Roxy. <laughs> well, the West is a whole other conversation because nobody just decides to take that next step and get a hold of this conference. I mean – we, we figured it would be Colorado, but now they're banged up. We haven't seen Landis call at all. Lekkanen now done. Who is, who's going to be that number one seed? Dallas, you know, once they start to get something rolling, they end up losing a game. There really isn't a team in the West that's convincing me right now that they are good enough to beat the Boston Bruins or to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning or the New Jersey Devils, anybody. I mean, nobody's really taken that next step in the West. Uh, we were looking at some of the future point projections for the end of the year before the show, and uh, there were a few teams that were pretty high up, and a lot of them were East teams, Dave. So I don't know if you got a chance to look at that, but was there any team that surprised you on that list, both because they were too high or because they were too low? No, I not to be honest, not really. Um, you know, I, I think I want to. I, I, I'm almost at the point where it's still a little early, like. I know there's there's the stretch run and, and we've got whatever it is, 15 games to go for a lot of these teams. I think everyone's more or less where they're at. Like Carolina, for me, I'm, that's the worry. I'm still worried about them. Maybe, uh, maybe it was – I don't know if it's too little too late on Florida's end, guys, but maybe they could be a little bit higher because I'm, I'm liking how they're playing lately. They got a little jump in their step and a little like – 
chip on their shoulder that they're trying to they're trying to scratch. But I don't know. I think for the most part, teams are kind of where they're supposed to be. Like there's no there's no definitive mm-hmm. surprise for me. And I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, wow, you know, wow, Pittsburgh. I mean, maybe in terms of overall performance, maybe I expected more out of the Capitals. But in terms of where they're ranked, I, yeah. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty solid, to be honest. I, I think the play, Zach, is, is look. The Boston Bruins should be the prohibitive favorite to win the Stanley Cup. Right. I think the value play is is identifying a team in the West, not named Colorado, yeah. and yeah. betting them to win the conference, not the cup. I think that's where you get the value because I watched Colorado, yeah. like the Kings went up to, to Denver the, last week, played a really good game. Wait, they're not the big scary team. Like even mm-hmm. if they're totally healthy, like JT Comfort, people keep saying he's having a great season. He didn't have an 80-point season like Nas Kaji did. And Nas yep. was a big factor. I don't think they're ever going to be healthy. I don't think Lannisau is going to play this season. Uh, There's just too much injury. Sometimes it's not your season with respect to injuries, and it's certainly not. I, I really – I feel for them, although who's really going to feel bad for a Stanley Cup champion because they got hit with injuries. But when they get one guy back, they lose two. So I think the value play is, like, whatever team it is, like, identify the team that you like that's going to be in the eight of the West and bet them to win the conference. Don't bet them to win the title because you're not – I don't think they're going to beat the Bruins. I agree with you. I don't think anybody's strong enough. But I don't – I think there's a really good shot that that Colorado, even when I picked them to go back to the Cup final, they don't get there. So it depends – and that when you're going to bet the postseason, you got to look. I think at the last ten games, because all these teams are going to be playing for something, right? It, it's it's still a rush to the end. Yeah, it's still yep. a rush to win exactly. the Pacific and the Central. If a team goes eight and two down the stretch, you said maybe maybe this team that's not Colorado, maybe you bet on that team um, and get some good value to win the conference, not the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I I, I uh, sorry, just to jump in, I agree. I agree on that one. Like pick a team. Like I'm looking at these teams. I'm looking at the standings right now. I mean, Dallas, L.A., and depending on Landeskog's health, like that's where I'm like, eh, Colorado. Like I think, I think the Avs, if, if the playoffs were to start right now, Colorado plays Minnesota. I like the Avs. But do I like and them against – And Caprizov's health too? I mean – Right, well, that's another Minnesota one. Minnesota without Capri. Well, is Caprizov going to play? Right. And that's, if that's Caprizov other- plays – well, they have better goal. T- like Georgiev, what's Georgiev going to give them in the play- playoffs? Now, the one thing about that is Darcy Kemper, they won with Darcy Kemper. Is Georgiev right. that much of a step down from Darcy Kemper? He isn't. It, it's just not the same. Here's the thing. Last year, remember, they were 16-4, and won the cup in the postseason in Colorado. Yeah. They went four lines deep. And they controlled tempo. They controlled puck possession. They dominated teams. They don't, even when they win, they don't dominate teams. They don't dominate teams at yeah. home. That it's toss up. They are in fights every night. Like some games, yeah, they just they Nate goes crazy or Anthony scores two goals. I get it, but they don't dominate. They they they're not going to dominate a sixty minute game in the playoffs against a lot of these teams. They're as good as these teams. They may come out, but they are not this big scary team that was last season that just had so much talent on this team. A lot of talent is on the sideline injured. So, so again, that, that's how I look at, at Colorado this year. They are not even totally healthy. They're not the scary four-line team that can beat you on the fourth line, beat you with their great talent up top. Like They might go, they might win. If they get out of the conference act, they're going to be an underdog to any of the teams. They're, they're just a cup below what they were last season. Yeah. L.A. could be one of those valued teams in the West. Dave mentioned them as well. DB, what's the latest on Kevin Fiala? Is he going to be healthy anytime soon? 
Well, he avoided a major injury when he got in that collision with Cogliano. It was a knee to knee, didn't look good. But again, he tried to come back in that game. And you, you know what happens? You, you go to the room, they do some manipulation to make sure that you don't have a tear or something really, really serious. And it was deemed that wasn't the case. Went back out, didn't go. I assume he's got a hyperextended slash bruised knee. He's day, they list him as day-to-day. I've seen him after games walking around without any noticeable limp. So I'm assuming it's it's a situation with pain management and bruising around there. They're safely in a playoff spot. I think they're maybe 14 points clear of the ninth-place team. They're not going to yeah. rush them back. And they can score enough goals. This team, two years ago, it would have been a disaster because the team never scored. Now this team scores a lot. They were great on the power play with them last night. So I would suspect that maybe they try to get them back in for this weekend, maybe the Saturday game. They have a big home stand right now. Uh, they played two of the of, of seven. Under. So I assume in the next maybe five to seven days, you try to get back on ice. He hasn't skated yet. Uh, that would be the first time. But it looks like they clearly avoided a major injury with Kevin Fiala because they'll definitely need him in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely the play to look at a West team and try to get some value yeah, there. I'll give an example. Uh, the, the, like Caesar Sports has um, Kings 5-1 to one to win the conference. It's a good bet. It's a good bet. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. They play Colorado well, so that, 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 that's the one scary team. Now, the thing about all these teams in the West, Zach, anybody could lose the first round too. Could the Kings go out and one? Yep. Could Edmonton? Sure. They don't mm-hmm. get saved. So it's, it's, like, it, it's good value, but you can't be super confident to make those bets either. You can't say, okay, this is a really smart bet. It's good value, but you can't say, okay, this is this is going to be easy money. It's not going to be the case. But one team's going to get hot and get out and, and get out to the – and I know people joke it's the varsity and JV this year with the East and the West. But one team's got to go. So it's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Use your head. Use your brain. Don't – this little guy over here, he messes with you. He messes with you in these situations. You get this little feel, oh, Edmonton's going to roll. Are they? Use your head when you're betting in the West. It looked like Edmonton was rolling, and now they're giving up, you know, five, six goals a game. Exactly. So exactly. Edmonton giveth, Edmonton taketh. This is what they are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. And L.A., look at them. Goal differential starting to creep up, starting to get oh, a yeah. higher. They're playing better. The 6-0-1 in L.S. 7, I think points percentage, they have the most in the league maybe after January 1st. They're, they're – they're a solid team. They really, the, the, the tra- and I look. I know Jonathan Quick's done great things, but look what Corbett Salas done. He's three and zero. I think he's got a nine twenty nine save percentage in LA. So yeah, it's great that Jonathan Quick. And look, is everybody rooting for the Kings and, and Vegas to meet in the playoffs? Yeah, except for maybe the twenty three guys in the Kings room. Although they're not afraid of Jonathan Quick, but I don't think that that's a matchup that they want. Um, and they yeah. that April sixth game in Vegas between the Kings and the, that might decide the division. So it's going to be really interesting. But the Kings are a solid team. The Kings can get out of the conference without question. They're good yep. enough this year. They really, really are. Um, but we'll see. It's, it's, it's like I said, it's Colorado and how you feel about Colorado and it's the other seven teams. I think one of the seven could, could, come, could, could really get out this season, which is a really good thing. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing here, but Drew Doughty said something like he's got a fire under his belly, Jonathan Quick. You, we know if, if he gets yeah. the opportunity, he will certainly seize it. Uh, so that'll be a great game between the Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights to potentially decide the Pacific Division. All right, thanks for joining us here on the Edgework Podcast. We will be back next week. You can check out our best bets of the week, Monday to Friday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. And we will see you next week. For Dennis Bernstein, David Pinota, I'm Zach Bodenstein.